You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Healthy and alive. Still sane. Good. Well, you might not be sane after we get done today. Uh, I'm not sure. (laughs) But let's hope that you stay sane, because I want to get into a really interesting place today. I was talking about it yesterday. I said that I wanted to get into the psychological trauma of public health. Now, what did I mean by that? Essentially, what's what's happening to our respective populations, no matter what country you come from. Today's not about countries, right? Today's not really about countries. I want to talk specifically to people that are in all Western nations, right? I don't care if you're from the United States. I don't care if you're from Canada. I don't care if you're from Australia, from Germany, from France, from the Netherlands. I, I don't care. This is not about a specific country, but most notably where we're seeing the biggest push in all of this is in the United States as it relates to, say, cases and uh, things of that nature, procedures and policy implementations. The U.S. is the only place we're seeing places relock and we're seeing new rules and mask mandates and all that stuff. There's a reason that all of these things are happening. And we've talked over the last few days here about how things are changing. And they're changing so fast that it's got the population almost neutralized. You've been put into a position where you've basically stood down. And I think it's largely due to the fact because you don't know what you're dealing with. And those people that can go out and piece things together, they do understand what's being done. I've studied totalitarian movements, authoritarian regimes over the last 10 years. And I'm telling you, what this is, is exactly what we fought the wars in the 20th century about was to stop this type of behavior from ruling bodies and ruling individuals. So today, we're going to talk about the meticulous implementation of how these people are are putting forth this public health policy. And it's more than that. It, it's more than, than public health. You're also looking at, a, at an aspect of, uh, of a cult mentality on top of it, right? Because... We, we see people that are now coming out and outside of the public health aspect, what, what do we see, Bruce? We see people that are fostering agendas to change mathematics, to change the system, mm-hmm. to change language, right? All that is right. all that is cult mentality, right? All this all this stuff. So I would actually like to start with this, you know, ju- jump in here, Bruce, because we're, we're going to talk specifically mm-hmm. about the type of people that are capitulating to this. And I want to start with the cult mentality. I want to start with what we're seeing as far as people being indoctrinated into this system. And it's happening right in front of everybody. Right? It's happening right in front of everybody. I just read from one of, uh, from one of my followers on, on Parlor. You're not going to believe this. I, I was just reading one of, uh, one of their posts, and they said that they just went to a Goodwill to drop off a donation at their back door. And they were told that they couldn't donate because they weren't wearing a mask. So the person even said, I'll just leave my donation. That way you can grab it and you don't have to be near it, me or anyone else. And they said, no mask, no drop offs, period. Th- this is the level we're at now, right? Th- this is where people are at. Th- this hysteria that's being instilled upon people. Like I said, there's a reason for this. And we're going to get into all this today. Now, it's going to be a little bit... It's going to be a little bit far-fetched, probably. It's it's not conspiratorial, but it's going to be something that's going to make you think. And it's going to make you question whether or not 
you're actually willing to believe that this is really happening. So let's start with the cult mentality. Okay, so these these lockdown people, Bruce, what did we see in the in the initial stages of the first round of lockdowns? If you didn't stay home, you were killing people, right? Right. Okay. That's what they told so, us anyway. Exactly. Right. So and that's that all plays into part of it, in, in everything we're going to get into later. In order for somebody to be a member of a cult, essentially, right? Any cult doesn't matter which one. Pick pick your favorite one. Doesn't matter whether it's Waco or those Heaven's Gates people or, or whatever. There are five conditions that need to be met in order for the cult member to double down on their beliefs to avoid cognitive dissonance. Okay. So number one, there must be, and we've gone over this before, but we're going to touch on it again because it bears relevance to everything we're going to discuss today. Number one, there must be conviction. Okay. Do they have conviction? The, the people that are the ones that were treated it like at that goodwill, do they have conviction? Like the people that yell at you if you don't have a mask on. Okay. The, there's the, now mind you, this is the conviction, right? They're, they're completely committed to this cause. They believe in this cause, right? Yeah. Number two, Okay. There must be commitment to this conviction. Do they have commitment to their conviction? Yeah. Okay. Number three, the conviction. This is where I'm going to need your help again. <laughs> the conviction. Mm-hmm. The conviction must oh, be yeah. a. Am- yeah, you remember this part? The conviction uh, must be uh-huh. amenable to unequivocal disconfirmation. So a person. So uh, essentially amenable, right? That means a person must be open and responsive to suggestion, or easily persuaded or controlled to unequivocal. So leaving- just confirmation. So leaving no doubt, dis, you know, uh, lie or diminish. Like, mm-hmm. let's see, um, disconfirmation was the establishing a belief that or hypothesis that is not true or which diminishes the the acceptability of a belief or hypothesis. So basically establishing that this is true and there's no... Right, because they, they beat us yeah. over the head with that you can't deny this or you're a science denier, right? You, you can't right. deny this. It's there, right? So that, And hence the overinflated numbers. Okay. Such unequivocal disconfirmation must occur, which it does, right? Because you have to confirm mm-hmm. it's, it's occurring because you're conforming to what's happening in the previous step. Now, here's the key. Number five, social support must be available subsequent to the disconfirmation. We see it, don't we? The mob mentality on Facebook, on Twitter, these circles that people are in, these bubbles, these echo chambers that people are in. So we see all of these things. So the ones that are out there promoting this stuff, they have these people, right? The, The system has these people, the public health people, they've got these people already convinced and and there's no reaching them okay they're they're locked into that cult they're there on top of that you've also got the other things we were discussing just loosely off to the side the changing of the language the personal pronoun stuff the changing of mathematics and culture all that stuff is cult behavior all of it but this right here and by the way they fit the criteria for these five steps that we just named two on those things as well so these particular steps right here as it relates to COVID-19, you also had these people believing in this stuff when it came to climate change, didn't you? It was the same thing. Same type of thing. It's a religion to them. Climate change was taking too long. I, I made this I made this statement before. Climate change was taking too long. They needed to radically shift their agenda. They've shifted to something else. You notice we don't hear anything about climate change now? Not largely. I mean, you do hear rumblings of it here and there, but largely all that stuff ended. All that stuff ended. They've moved on. They hit that mile marker. They've transitioned to something else, which we'll get to that later on. But I wanted to specifically reference the uh, the cult mentality, the people that are involved in this. So can you reach these people? I don't know. I don't know. How, how do you convince somebody that's in a cult to get out of it? 
That's the question. Well, how do you convince somebody to get into a cult? Well, it'd probably be the same process. Well, I I think essentially in this case, you have to we're talking about people that are these uh, these mask wearing same thing with the climate change, you know, the man-made climate change people, all all this stuff. They emit cult mentality or excuse me, they they admit cult like behavior and they fit the criteria all five steps of, of that criteria for joining and being a member of a cult. So having all those uh, those criteria met. And nice to see you, by the way, GP. Thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but uh, how do they join it? Well, it's simple. A lot of them are bandwagon jumpers in this case. They don't actually believe in this stuff. If they had a half a brain about themselves and would pay attention to some common sense and do some actual research on their own and think on their own, which they don't, they think as the group, they think as the mob, or they get turned on. So they, they, they become join. the mob. They, they, yeah, they, exactly. They, you think, exactly. I talk to these people all the time. You've got to remember, I'm in California, which is the mob mentality capital of the world, thus in New York. I talk to these people on a regular basis. They really do believe that if you don't wear a piece of underwear on your face, you're going to get coronavirus and die. Honest to God, they believe they will die. Okay. I all right. Well, I see it every yes, single this is. And this is precisely and this is precisely what we're going to discuss today, where all this stems from. Okay, so I wanted to get into a report from Amnesty International. Okay, this is a report from 1973 and anybody can go and get this. This is a this is this is an Amnesty International report on torture. You can look this up. Like I said, this is going to be a a difficult subject today uh, and it's going to be a little bit difficult for people to, to, to grasp. But uh, I'm going to be as as gentle as possible with it. But like I said, you can go and you can look this up. It's free out there. The scans of it are online. You can go and get this. As a matter of fact, I got this from Amnesty International's own website. They have it. So you can go and get it. But I wanted to specifically reference a gentleman that did the report or did part of the report in there uh, named Albert Biederman. OK, now, who is this guy? Right. He studied communist Chinese tactics to elicit false confessions from soldiers. OK. Amnesty International describes torture as the following. The systematic and deliberate infliction of acute pain in any form by one person on another in order to accomplish the purpose of the former against the will of the latter. So we're going to get into Biederman's chart of coercion. Okay, there's eight points to this. And I want to work down through these. Uh, And you guys have copies of this you can see. Yes. Yes. Okay. so I want to I want to get into um, I want to get into step one. And, And I'm going to I'm actually going to, I tell you what, Bruce, can you pull, can you pull a couple things for me? So I want to, I want to pull, they also make reference, Biederman also makes reference to uh, something called a triple D structure. Okay. You're looking at debility, dependency, and dread. Okay. Can we start with debility, please? Can you give me a definition for debility, Bruce? Physical weakness, especially as a result of illness. Okay. So do we see inklings of, of any kind of debilities that, that are being pushed upon the populace in general? Lockdowns? closures, all these things. You're not allowed to go this place. You're, you're not allowed to be outside in certain areas. You have to wear masks if you go outside. All of these things make you weaker physically and as well as mentally. We're, we're going to get into anxiety and things today and all this, what all this stuff causes. But do we see something that we could identify as debility? I, I would argue yes. Can we look up? Uh, can, you give me, can you give me a definition for dependency, please? A dependent or, or subordinate thing, especially a country or province controlled by another. Okay, so we look at the particular individuals in the organizations. You can relate that to dependency, can you not? As we're speaking strictly on public health, you have organizations like the NIH with representatives like Dr. Fauci, representatives like Dr. Burks, you know, the scarf lady, her people like Bill Gates with his foundation are out there. 
organizations like the WHO, they're out there as well. And we get talking points from them. We get policy handed down from them, as well as state and local health officials and public health officials. So in a sense, what's happening in society, what's what's being told to the populace, what's being told to businesses, we're essentially dependent on what they say. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Can we look up dread? Can, can, we, can you give me a definition for dread, please? Anticipate with great apprehension or fear. Okay. Uh, so just great fear. Okay. So can, can we say that we, we have a population that is feeling a sense of dread, especially if you've lost your job or if you've lost your business or you don't know how you're going to make a payment because you don't have enough money coming in? And people don't know what's going to happen. They see their culture being dismantled. They see their history being removed. They're being fed agendas by the media based on false science and false information. So do we see a sense of dread, possibly? Global warming, COVID-19 is going to kill you. Um, Yes. I mean, guns are bad. I mean, yeah, we're we're seeing things all over the place. So people have the feeling of dread. They're dreading what's happening. They're dreading what's coming next. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So we have the three D, the triple D method. Okay. So debility, dependency, dread. We meet those criteria according to Biederman. Okay. Let's look at step one. Let's look at, now I'm going to go down through Biederman's chart of coercion. Again, for those that don't know where to look and understand where I'm actually looking at this, this chart, please go to Amnesty International's website, look up their report on torture. And you can go to page 53. It's a free PDF out there. You can go to page 53 in the document. I believe it's page 28 or something. Uh, and you can follow along and you can see everything that I'm going to talk about today. So we're going to go over a general method. We're going to look at the effects, what purpose it serves and different variants. And then we're going to relate them. We're going to tie it all together with what we're seeing with public health. So number one, isolation. Okay. This is the number one step, isolation. So what if that's the method? Okay. What effects does this have? What purpose does it serve? It deprives the victim of all social support of his ability to resist. It develops an intense concern with self. It makes the victim dependent upon the interrogator. So what variants do we have? Complete solitary confinement, complete isolation, semi-isolation, and group isolation. Hmm. Let's look at what possibly we could relate that to when it comes to the coronavirus pandemic and public health. We have quarantines. Yeah, exactly. We have quarantines, do we not? This is the first time in human history that we have quarantined healthy people. You do not quarantine healthy people. You quarantine sick people. That's all there is to it. So all of these things were blatantly ignored. So again, isolation, quarantine. You deprive the victim of all social support of his ability to resist. You can't go out. It makes you develop an intense concern with yourself. And it makes the victim, in this case, the person who's quarantined, dependent upon the interrogator, in this case, the public health official, who's making the quarantine order stick. Complete solitary confinement. Stay home. Complete isolation. Again, stay home. Semi-isolation. Yes, you can go out, but you can only go out in groups of one or two. Group isolation. And only for groceries or essentials. Exactly. Well, yes, we'll get to that in a second. But yes, group Mm -hmm. isolation. Again, families, right? Can't be around Mm -hmm. other people. You can only be within your little group, your little social structure, right? Or whatever the UK government called it. Social distancing. Again, prohibition of big crowds. No sporting events. All that fits the criteria of isolation. Number two, monopolization of perception. That's the method. So what does this do? What, What effect does this have? 
This fixes attention upon immediate predicament. So it fosters introspection, which as which Bruce, you, you got the definition for that. Yes. The examination or observation of one's own mental and emotional processes. OK, gotcha. So it causes you to yeah, examine yourself. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Self self-assessment. OK, it eliminates stimuli competing with those controlled by the captor. Uh-huh. OK. Frustrates all actions not consistent with compliance. So what are the variants of this? Physical isolation. Again, quarantines. Darkness or bright light. Barren environment. Restricted movement. Monotonous food. Hmm. Certain things are available at the supermarkets. Do you remember essential and non-essential items? You remember that? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Or certain meats aren't available because yes. the process is shut down. Yes. And- yes. Monotonous food. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what can we relate this to? Monopolization of perception. Well, first thing that comes to mind, the mainstream media, right? All the agendas, they mm-hmm. have the monopolization of perception. You can argue social media companies in there as well, right? But you've also got the mobs on social media. It's their way. It's their interpretation. It's their way of beating you over the head with what they consider to be hard science. Whether it's factual or not, it doesn't matter. It's their way. Again, monopolization of perception. If you have a job and you say something against the mob, you're getting fired from your jobs. That's where people are at. This is where the perception is. I've been saying for a year now since we started this, we live in a world of perception. Everything has become whatever the mob or whatever the agenda from the mainstream media says it is. And people blindly follow this. So we have that. It fixes your attention upon immediate predicament. Again, you're watching the news to find out what's going on. You want to see what's happening and someone's feeding it to you, whether it's real or not. Someone's giving you that opinion. Journalists, monopolization of perception. Journalists have been restricted. They've had their viewpoints taken down. Doctors have had their viewpoints taken down, the ones that speak against all of this. So there's one way. Tech companies, YouTube, if you don't say what the World Health Organization approves of, your information is removed. Your account is banned. All of these things are a monopolization of perception. Restricted movement. Again, like I said, the quarantines. Monotonous food. Well, I don't have to tell you what's been going on at the supermarkets in the U.S., as well as other parts. I mean, over here, I mean, tomatoes are now $15 a pound. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Anything you got on monopolization of perception? You pretty well covered what I was going to pipe up and say. No, please Control go ahead. information, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of hammer in that point, uh, like you said, you can't say anything contradictory, even if it's a academic paper that contradicts the current narrative, or it's a past news article that contradicts the current narrative. You can't do that, which is absolutely weird, by the way. If you pull out something that Fauci said in the beginning, how we shouldn't be concerned about this, how, how you know, uh, what they were saying in the beginning, if you oh, yes, pull I, that out and try to share I, that now, you get yourself shadow banned, banned, or oh, yes. Uh, yes, 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 flagged or whatever, you know, on social media. Mm-hmm. And if you try to pull up, this is this is what I'm running into with, with people that I know. If you try to bring out the facts, about masks or about the virus or which, by the way, new finding uh, new numbers coming out on the virus. So just just as a side note, we're at 0.04 fatality rate. If you're below 70 years old, fatality rate is 0.04. But anyway, if you try to push that narrative out there and you talk about it, you're met with resistance by people, by companies, by, you know, uh, organizations that that are trying to beat you back down into whatever the current narrative is. You're correct, sir. Number three, induced debility 
or exhaustion, okay? That's the method, okay? The effect is it weakens your mental and physical ability to resist. What do we see right now? Populations neutralized, right? What variants do we have? We have semi-starvation, which I don't think we're to that point. Uh, exposure, okay? Exploitation of wounds, which we don't have any of those unless you consider mental ones. Mm -hmm. uh, induced no, illness. Um, racism. Go ahead. Race, okay, all right. Yeah, racism, yeah. Yeah, well, slavery, you know, those kind of things. But yes, yeah. anyway. Induced illness, um, we'll get to that. Sleep deprivation. Yes, I would argue that that's happening because people are worried and they don't know what's going on. Uh, induced mm -hmm. illness. Again, stress, anxiety is up, which we'll talk about that in a second. Prolonged constraint. Yes. Prolonged interrogation. Mm -hmm. Constantly. Forced writing. Overexertion. Oh, I have an idea for that one. Yes. Okay. Forced writing. Uh, for example, let's say um, you're a po uh, popular, skilled um, quarterback that decides they want to say something about Black Lives Matter, I believe is what he talked about. I forget what his name is. And then he was required, forced to apologize because what he said was racist, which ah, Drew was Brees. racist. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. yes that one. Mm -hmm. Yes. A good example of forced writing. Yes. And all these celebrities, mm -hmm. by the way, all these garbage, no nothing celebrities. Yes. Which, by the way, mm -hmm. Tom Hanks, I have a new disdain for him. He's uh, he, he's about as useless as I don't know what, man. He, he's terrible. Unfortunate. He's a good yeah, it's actor. unfortunate. He's a he's a he's an amazing actor. He's an amazing yeah. actor. But same thing with DiCaprio, right? He's a great actor. He's a great actor. He's just he's a hypocrite and he's a lunatic. But but you have to understand with uh, you know Tom Hanks, he did get coronavirus. He had his wife, right? And because they're part of the mainstream media, and they did get sick, they weren't asymptomatic. You know, they got yes. sick. Yes, for them, I know it's a death penalty. You know, uh -huh. they believe that they were going to die the whole time that they had it. That kind of changes your perceptions for a little bit, because what they went through, they want to express on the people that it can be deadly. Now, here's a question. It may not here's, be as deadly as they say. Here's a, here's a but question. It can be. Here's a question. OK. The agendas that are being pushed. Now, I, I'm not saying mm -hmm. that this is false. I'm not saying that this is true either. I'm just throwing the question out there mm -hmm. for this to be. An agenda that's pushed by that crowd, the celebrity and sports star crowd. Don't you have to have some of them get it to say, well, we're just like you. We're, we're just like you. We, we're, we've gone through this. Now we want to do our part as survivors to protect you. We want to teach you, the person who doesn't know anything. We want to teach you what you need to do. See what this is? This is I do, but do we know for is, sure that he is part of that that group, the actors group that's acting, oh, I had it. Oh, I got question? this. You know, is that a real question? Do you think Tom Hanks is doing a Jesse Smollett? I think that he is part of the Hollywood establishment that carries a certain agenda or you don't work. I'll put it that way. Does he need to work? No, he doesn't. But if he wants to keep his job and not go the way of Kevin Spacey, then he'll do what he needs to do. How's that? Well, Hanks is a lot bigger actor than Kevin Spacey. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But nonetheless. OK, well, we got a lot to cover here. So anyway, okay, overexertion. You're good. Overexertion. OK, we have overexertion. Yes. People are anxiety ridden. They're stress ridden. You, you have uh, if you work at like a grocery store or something, you're being required to work hours that you know, greater hours, or if you work at, uh, you know, in the medical field, you're, you're required to work greater hours. So yes, there, there's definitely, um, more there. Yes. So induced debility or exhaustion. Okay. Weakening of mental or physical ability to resist. Okay. So what, what do we have that we could relate to that as it relates to this public health policy that's being handed down? We have gym closures, don't we? I mean, essentially, I mean, where I'm at, they're not closed, they're open. So we have gym closures. You can't go and you can't work out. You can't stay 
in shape. And as GP will tell you, as somebody who's very well versed in the field of health and wellness and all of that, he will tell you the healthier you are, the, the more active you are, the better your chances of fighting off any kind of infection. Correct? Amen, GP. Amen. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put words in your mouth, brother. So, but that, that's true. That's true. And it's, it's blatantly being ignored here in the name of public health. Don't go stay healthy because we're going to keep you healthy. We're going to keep you safe, right? So you're hindered by that. Church is being closed. This is your mental health, right? Bruce, you can come in on this, Mr. Mm -hmm. Theologian. What does it do to someone's mental health to be able to go and worship? Well, I mean, it's mental health and, and spiritual, you know, if you want to get to that side of things. But, you know, not being able to exercise that. Uh, okay, we'll put it this way. As Christians, Christians are instructed to not forsake the gathering together, right? You're not supposed to um, ignore that. You, you're you required to gather together. And mm -hmm. it's it's a, just as much a, of a interaction with one another. You build each other up. There's a mental side to that. You're encouraging one another, building one another up, and just socializing, building those friendships and those connections, right? So it's, it's a, a, absolutely that thing. But I would also throw in... Uh, if your mental health, if it is declining, and let's say you're given into a bunch of anxiety or, or depression or excess stress or those kind of things, that affects you physically as well and can damage your immune system or weaken your immune system, making you more susceptible to something like COVID-19, for example. Correct. And also, on top of that, you've got other social organizations, sporting events, right? People that go play sports on your own private time. I'm not talking about professional sports here. Other social organizations that you have, whatever that might be. School closures, okay? That's going to weaken your mental and your physical ability as well. Job loss, that's going to put you down in the... Uh, down in the category of, of worry, stress, and anxiety. You're not going to know what to do. Wearing these masks all day create panic. That creates a, a mental health crisis. So you have increased stress. And physical. You have, yeah, and physical. You have increased stress because you're depriving yourself of oxygen. You have increased stress. You have uh, a fair amount of exhaustion because you're not getting all the oxygen you need. So what do you have on anxiety? Bruce, we were going over some anxiety numbers. Uh, I'm talking about the anxiety numbers specifically in the United States right now. So what do we have on the increases of anxiety in the U.S. at the moment that we're seeing just through this time? Okay, so this was, I believe, yes, this was last month. Uh, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, they were saying the numbers for things like antidepressants, anti-anxiety, uh, and anti-insomnia medications per week, the, the prescriptions increased by 21%. Uh, they're saying there was a jump of anxiety drugs specifically by 34%. They were saying insomnia is about 14% when you get into the individual ones, and it's about an 18% for antidepressants. Now, when you're thinking about it, and it's like, okay, you know, 34%, that's, that's, that's a pretty big jump. Insomnia, 14%. Eh, I mean, it's it's a fairly large, substantial jump, but not really. I mean, it, it's kind of, I don't know, it feels smaller. When you get into the actual numbers and not just the percentages, we're talking millions of people. Like the anti-anxiety ones, those are 8.8 .8 million as of that was that was in March of last year. Okay, March of this year it's 9.7 million. Whereas prescriptions for antidepressants was at 27.2 million last year and are now at 29.7 million this year. So you're you're talking roughly 
40 million people just on the, those two types of drugs this year alone. You mentioned there about uh, sleep deprivation or well, sleep deprivation mm-hmm. is one of the insomnia. variants of this. Yeah, insomnia. You mentioned about insomnia numbers. So it falls mm-hmm. into the line here of, of sleep deprivation. That's uh, that's one of the variants of uh, induced ability exhaustion. So we meet the criteria for that. Number four, threats. What does this do? What is the purpose of this? What effect does this have? It cultivates anxiety and despair. What are the variants of this? Okay, you have threats of death. You have threats of non-return. You have threats of endless interrogation and isolation. You have threats against family. You have vague threats, you know, off and on things, little things here and there. And you have mysterious changes of treatment. Okay, so what can we relate to that? Family members, right? We're being told, well, we can't go see certain family members. We're being told that if we come outside, we're all if we go outside, we're all going to die. If we go around other people, we're all going to die. There's your threats of death right there. Threats of non-return, a new normal, right? Things are not going to go back to the way they were. We have to do these things or nothing's going to return to normal. See, they don't have any intention of taking anything back to what we considered normal. Threats of endless interrogation and isolation. Well, if you don't do what's needed, then we're going to have to lock everything back down. What are we seeing now? Again, states are doing rollbacks. Yeah, more. Or just... Or just lock down until we have a, a vaccine. Or a cure that, in, in the case threat. of Los or Angeles. Or a cure, yeah. Yeah. Right. So contact tracing. We, we have contact tracing. Threats against our family. Mm-hmm. Vague threats. Little things here and there. Well, you know, you kind of just need to do this because if you don't, then you're selfish. You're uh, you're, you're only thinking of yourself. I talked yesterday about what the uh, the governor of, of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, what he had to say. Said that you're just being, uh, you're, you're being selfish. You don't care about anyone else. Mysterious changes of treatment. So things come out, things change. So you hear the people that came out in the initial stages, like the Surgeon General, like Fauci, the rest of them. No, we don't have to worry about it. We, we don't have to worry about, you know, masks don't work. No big deal. Don't You, you don't need those. Now, all of a sudden, we have to have them. They're, they're just, they're magically going to uh, going to save everything. Yeah, the, the case numbers are still going up. See, you notice the case numbers are going up, but the death rate is actually going down. Do you, do you know that that's a yep. good thing? Do you know that's a good thing? The cases are going up now, and I'll, I'll get into why. Well, we, we already know why, because of the way they're counting them. I mean, it cultivates anxiety and yeah. despair. I mean, we have all that. We meet all those criteria, but go ahead. Yeah, we, we also have not just with COVID, because this, this has been going on for a while, right? COVID is just the most recent one. We also had these threats and whatnot with um, uh, the transgender movement, right? When, when that was big, yes. um, or even the um, Me Too movement, you know, those kind of things. You had the threats of... Well, if you don't conform, you don't jump on board or even the vague threat of, let's say you want to go into the the dating scene and cut everything's online now, which is absolutely annoying. But anyway, you want to get into that, get involved with that. Well, thanks to the Me Too movement, people are aware or, or conscious of that. And because of that, just... You know, saying, um, you know, you look nice tonight or something like that. You better be careful now because the vague threat is you're sexually harassing them, you know. And and so, yeah, you're you're on edge more and those kind of things. So, yeah, we also seen this with the other things um, constantly causing despair and everything with the idea of, of Marxism taking taking root and, and you know, uh, with the, the statues and stuff being toppled over, the threats of violence and whatnot that we were seeing with the riots and the, you know, all that going on. So, yeah, it, it absolutely is um, anxiety and despair and whatnot uh, mm-hmm. is being cultivated mm-hmm. with these. Yes. Number five, occasional indulgences. OK, that's the uh, that's the general method here. What's the effect and what's the purpose? It provides positive motivation for compliance. 
and it hinders adjustment to deprivation. What are the variants of this? We have occasional favors, fluctuation of interrogators, attitudes, promises, rewards for partial compliance, and tantalizing. What can we relate that one to? Well, let me see. Fluctuation of interrogators. Well, we have a fluctuation of attitudes, don't we? We, we have a, a change mm-hmm. of attitudes. You, you mentioned earlier about Fauci and how he's constantly bouncing back and forth. We had certain politicians come out and say, well, there's no reason to worry about anything. We're going to here, you know, bring your family out, take the subway, go to dinner, come down to Chinatown, have some dim sum with us. You know, I'm speaking of Nancy Pelosi. Fauci saying, oh, there's nothing to worry about. Now, all of a sudden, you know, everything. So this is the fluctuation of attitudes uh, of these of these people. So we have the uh, the mind changing policy. Right. So everybody's also, you know, flip flopping, going back and forth, changing their mind. We can play clips of, of Fauci from back in January. Oh, no, there's no nothing to worry about here. No, everything's fine. Now, all of a sudden, well, now he's on TV wearing a mask. Why is he doing it? Which, by the way, when the cameras are off. Yeah, he's not wearing that thing when he's out there having conversations <laughs> with people. Yeah. When he's out there having conversations with people, he's not wearing a mask. None of them are. Yeah. They don't believe in this nonsense. They, they don't. But they're doing it to you. What else do we have? We have uh, providing positive motivation for compliance. OK. Hinders uh, adjustment to deprivation. OK. Occasional favors. Rewards for partial compliance. Tantalizing. What, what do we see from that? Well, BLM's good, but you going to a Trump rally, that's bad. Right. So we see that. We also have essential businesses. OK. What's essential? Walmart's essential. But small businesses are not. So those are your occasional favors. Rewards for partial compliance. Mask wearing, right? That's what it is. You wear a mask, you can do this. I just read a, uh, I just read a post from, from somebody on, uh, on Parler. They couldn't make a donation to a Goodwill because they weren't wearing a mask. But so what? If you wear a mask, then you can make a donation? So you, you can be charitable only if you have a partial compliance for that? That's how I'm seeing it. Mm-hmm. So do we fit the um, do we fit the criteria for occasional indulgences? Yeah, the promise is one. You know, we get a vaccine. We can go back to go back to work. If we all stay at home and, uh, you know, quarantine ourselves, we'll be able to go back to work and go back to life Mm -hmm. as normal. If you social distance and wear a mask, we'll be able to go back to uh, uh, back to life. Life as usual. Number six, demonstrating omnipotence. Okay, omnipotence for those that don't know. Okay, that's the ability of having great power. All right. So you suggest that that's the uh, that's the general method here. Okay. The uh, the effect. Okay. Suggests futility of resistance. So what are the variants? Okay. You have confrontation. You have pretending cooperation taken for granted. Demonstrating complete control over the victim's fate. Well, I think we don't have to do too much explaining on this one. But what do you have? You have global shutdowns, right? Economical systems mm-hmm. have ground to a halt. They've stopped. You come out of your house you're going to be fined. You don't wear a mask, you're going to be fined. You're going to be taken to jail. You open your business, you're going to be taken to jail. You're going to face fines. You're going to have your business license taken away. You speak up, you're going to get fired from your job. Like I said, Fauci, camera's off. He's not wearing a mask. He takes it off. We, we saw it, didn't we? Yeah, he gets done with the uh, the congressional uh, testimony and he thinks the cameras are off, which they were on live TV, but the cameras were still rolling. He takes it off. Everyone takes them off. Everyone takes their masks off. I never see Bill Gates wearing a mask, do you? I don't. Mm-hmm. I never see. No. I never see Dr. Burks. I think I saw Dr. Burks wearing a mask once, once. But here recently, she's not doing it, is she? Again, you have demonstrating complete control over the victim's fate. We have to do what they say, or we don't get to live our lives. Confrontation, pretending cooperation taken for granted. Are they pretending to cooperate? Are they the ones that are practicing what they preach? While the cameras are on, they do. So is that demonstrating omnipotence to them? 
I would say so. So what do you think, Bruce? We're also seeing this with the uh, the mayors and the governors that, that think they could control us and tell us when we can go to work and can't go to work. We're, we're seeing that at a local level, just as well as uh, at the federal level. That one is a little bit difficult just because Americans are a little bit bullheaded when it comes to that. So we're, we are seeing pockets of people resisting that, like sheriffs and whatnot. And um, uh, even some mayors are, are fighting against uh, governors and vice versa. So, yes. I mean, there is a little bit of a power struggle there. Uh, and it's not full blown like I'm fully in control. However, there's still, when you look at other states... California and New York both are are great examples. Uh, Texas now, uh, if you don't wear a mask, you're fined like what is it, two hundred fifty, five hundred dollars, whatever it is, up to five hundred. So think, yeah. yeah, yeah, up to five hundred. So they're trying to to say they have full control on that, and uh, you know they don't. But you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to number seven. Okay, like I said, this is eight points, and I do apologize. This is rather lengthy, but I think all of this is uh, is extremely relevant to what we're seeing and what we're largely not able to identify that we're dealing with here as a population of your respective country. As I said, I'm not speaking to Americans today, but specifically America more than anyone else, I guess you could say, because this is where we're seeing the biggest brunt of this. Degradation. This is the general method. Degradation. Makes the cost of resistance appear more damaging to self-esteem than capitulation. Oh, what do we hear? Not wearing a mask is selfish. Think of more than just yourself. Reduces prisoner to animal level concerns. Oh, yes. What do we have here as the variant? Personal hygiene is prevented. Filthy infested surroundings. Notice there's cleaners everywhere now. Hand sanitizers everywhere now. Demeaning punishments. I don't have to tell you what the mob will do to you. Insults and taunts. You don't wear a mask. You're just as bad as a drunk driver. Denial of privacy. Now, what do we have? (laughs) We have non-essential workers, right? There's your degradation. You're not essential. You don't matter enough. Your business is non-essential. Walmart's essential. Target's essential. Amazon's essential. You're not essential. You own a business that provides a service to the community. Now you're not essential. You're a barbershop. You're not essential. You run a small cafe. No, you're not essential. Who are you to think you can own and run a business that provides a service to people? Public shaming. Yeah. Do we see public shaming? Mm-hmm. We see public shaming everywhere. Mm-hmm. What happens if you try to go somewhere without one of these masks on in one of these states by, by one of these cult members that, come, that comes up to you and screams at you that you're killing people? The mob's online. You try to say something that goes against the narrative online, whatever it might be. You're fired from your job. You're humiliated. You're doxxed. You're called a science denier. Those of us that don't go along with this this BS agenda that we can see right through that we're explaining here tonight, we're called science deniers when we're looking at how they're manipulating and rewriting science right in front of us. We're called ignorant. We're called out by these garbage celebrities like Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio, these pieces of trash, these hypocritical morons that no one cares about. We're yelled at because what? Because we're, we're, we're not conformists. Is that what it is? So absolutely, I would say that we fit the criteria for number seven here, degradation. What do you think? Yeah, so the the other one, um, insults, taunts, denial of privacy, those two, yeah? You, you covered them well, with, but you also had uh, the riots, insults and taunts were going on there. God, and those were filthy infested surroundings, but anyway. Yeah. Um, but the other insults and taunts, as you brought up, uh, you know, you, you had the... Uh, any, any of the other movements that are going on, if you're a Trump supporter, guess what? Insults and thoughts. And making the cost of resistance appear more damaging to self-esteem than capitulation. Hence, you don't wear yeah. a mask. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't wear a mask, you're going to kill somebody. And then denial of privacy. Contact tracers. I'll just use that as an, mm-hmm. one example. Yep. Or uh, yep. Google Phone software. and Apple both. Yep. The, the, the software now. So, um, yeah, absolutely. 
Okay. Uh, number eight, enforcing trivial demands. Okay. This is the general method, enforcing trivial demands. And what is the effect? What is the purpose? It develops a habit of compliance. Wow. Again, we're back to a variant of forced writing and the enforcement of minute rules. Okay. So what, what can we attribute to that? Well, I would say that we could attribute social distancing to that. Yeah. Following arrows on the floor. Yeah. This is where you need to go. Having marker lines everywhere. Okay. It's like you're being put into a laboratory. You're being put into a maze and you need to follow this. This is a habit of compliance. Showing support for groups like BLM. What happens to you if you don't show support for those groups? This is a sense of forced writing, in my opinion. So you mm -hmm. have to, you have to, I mean, it's obviously it's in, a, it's in an abstract form, but it's the, the concept is the same because you have to show support for that organization or you're a what? Pick your label. So again, this develops a habit of compliance, enforcing trivial demands. These are demands that are outside of the realm of ordinarily what we would accept as everyday life, which all of this is completely, um, well, it's not ordinary, is it? So they're enforcing it. They're telling us we have to capitulate to this. We have to develop this habit of compliance to this new system. Forced writing. Well, we, we kind of went over forced writing a little bit, but the development of compliance, wear a mask out in public. The, the current one that we're, we're being taught is the um, racism, right? Your white privilege uh, and that, that sort of thing. You have to change your wordage. We have to comply with people's pronouns. It's been pushed for a while. These things have been cropping up for really, we've seen this really kick off when when Trump was elected. Right. I mean, because mm -hmm. some of these, uh, for example, the, the Russian uh, collusion stuff, you could tie just looking at that, you could tie it with this chart. I mean, there's a lot of that going on with the Russian collusion. Mm -hmm. um, and then it, it's just continued and, and gotten worse and worse. And, and now this is where we're at with the COVID-19, the riots. Um, the race baiting stuff. Yeah. Now, here's the interesting part of all these uh, of all these points. OK, so if you have all of these things, if, if you go down through each one of these eight points that we just covered here tonight, if you go down through and you put somebody through all of this, plus you stack the anxiety and medications and everything else that we talked about on top of that. Well, what's this going to do? Even doctors and psychologists on average will tell you, and they even mentioned in this report, that people become ill as a result of going through these things that we mentioned. So even if you're a healthy individual, if you're a healthy human being and you get put through these things, if you get put through these steps and you get smacked on the other end of it with this public health nonsense on top of it, then it's going to make you ill when you otherwise are healthy. This is what they're doing. So you develop symptoms such as pneumonia, psychosomatic diseases like, uh, you know, ulcers, you know, also stress, right? Develop asthma, develop bronchitis, any type of coronary disease, tuberculosis, or even cancer they found in some people that go through this stuff. Now, do I have to tell you what the CDC has been doing over the last three to four months with all of these COVID symptoms? Is it any coincidence that everything that I just mentioned are now symptoms of COVID. Does any of that kind of go along with that? Because I would argue yes. Now, my question to you, the listener, is everything that we've talked about here, are we being subjected to any of this? Now, is, is this just coincidence? Because th this is just how I'm seeing it. A lot of people aren't looking at things like this. And as a matter of fact, I, I'm not sure anyone is. But all of these steps, and I said, I told you exactly where you could go and you could find this and you can verify everything that I'm saying. So do we continue to put up with this? This is the question. Like I said, is this coincidence or are we being coerced 
into capitulating to everything that, that we talked about. What's your uh, what's your mm. final thought? Well, comrade, there's some prices we have to pay to rewrite the <laughs> yeah. system. So. Yeah, 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 that's right. We're, we're hearing now that we have to overthrow the entire system because it's not just about public health. See, it's so much more now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I honestly don't know what else to say to this because it, it's when we when we break it down like this, it's like, mm, mm, yeah, it, it just kind of uh, puts into light more what we've been talking about. <laughs> We've kind of been saying these things, but to, to put it in a categorically like this for, yeah, interesting. This is why I said that I, I wanted to discuss this today. And at the end of this, it's going to leave the listener thinking, is this what's going on? It's up to you, the listener, to make the determination of whether or not any of this is actually happening. I just pointed you think think of us as a signpost, right? You're on a road driving down. The, you're driving down a road and we're a signpost. We're pointing you in the direction you need to go. And you need to make the determination. You need to decide if what we're saying is correct or not. GP talked yesterday about people just don't know what to believe. Well, I'm not sure I know what to believe either, but I do know enough to put myself in a position of understanding. And and, uh, and I'm able to extrapolate out ideas with the help of Bruce and the rest, especially Bruce, because, I mean, you, you guys, we, we all put each other. That, that's the great thing about what we do here is because we always throw ideas off of each other and, and it causes us to think in different directions because we're all individuals when it comes to this type of thought. And so when we lay everything out like this, you know, th- this is precisely why I wanted to talk today on what I believe is being done to our respective populations, no matter where you come from. Right. This transcends political or national boundaries. So you got to stop thinking about that just for the moment. We'll get back to that later. And I, I've been saying this for years now. I don't care where you come from. I, I don't care. Whatever differences we've had in the past, whether you're American, whether you're German, whether you're English, whether you're French, I, I don't care. We need to put that aside and we need to deal with this problem. Public health experts are making things the way they are. Right? We didn't choose this. This was forced on us. And it's every responsible citizen's first duty of your respective nation to always question authority. If they're wrong, then you shout them down. If they shout you down, then you shout louder. That's what we do as Americans. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, everyone has to conform to that, but that's how we get things done, usually, at least historically. The founders of America, when they wrote our great constitution, there was a reason they put freedom of speech and religion at the top, because they begged for peace over violence. They knew that we needed to have civil discourse, as Bruce said yesterday, before they engaged in any kind of brutality. Because you don't get anything accomplished when you do that. We need to have the free flow of information and ideas. What's being done is an attack on our very rights of our ideals and principles as free people of the West. Not just America, but of the West. These people, these public health officials, these these governors, these mayors, wherever you're from, these individuals that are handing down these public health policies, they're sick. They're psychotic. Worse than that, as we talked earlier as we started tonight with, they've created a cult of underlings that actually believe in this nonsense that they're preaching. They're two steps away from tracksuits and punch bowls, okay? They're every reasonable thinking person's worst nightmare. And they're coming for you, they're coming for me, they're coming for your family, for your country, and they're coming for our very way of life. You better understand that. As I've said before, I've spent the last 10 years of my life researching and studying socialism, authoritarian, and tyrannical regimes. This is by far one of the worst forms that I've ever seen. I stated yesterday that we're in the 21st century. Okay, this is a new form of warfare that's being waged on us. We have to recognize and understand what and who we're dealing with. These are not leaders. These are repressors. And worse than that, they're torturers, as we described here tonight. These people are not to be revered. They're supposed to be shamed, disregarded, 
and held accountable for what they're doing. Where's that fighting American spirit? This is the question I've been asking myself for the last 24 hours. Where is that fighting American spirit? Where's that sense of patriotism that everyone was touting over the last 20 years after 9-11? Everyone was so quick to tout the flag and the Constitution and our Bill of Rights, our founding, our sense of being united, our sense of justice. Where did all that go? Where did all of you go? There's two of us here, three, four of us doing this broadcast that we do. There should be a half a million of us screaming out to the world, just like we're doing here right now. But those voices are silent. They're neutralized. They're compliant. What's it going to take, America? What's it going to take, Canada? What's it going to take, Europe? I've said it before. We, We the people, we're all in this together. I've always said that. Well, this time we are. You better believe it. Like I said, for a time, forget what you know about nationalities, about languages, about cultures. We've got to unite in one voice to fight this because this threatens all of us. You have a right to be left alone from your government, to raise your family, to speak your mind, to educate yourself. This is under attack, too. Look at the points we covered here tonight, right? That door is being slammed shut. The aim of these people and these organizations is to alter our civilization to the point of irrelevancy. Now, why do I say that? We made reference to, when we were talking about the cult mentality, we made reference to climate change, right? Because what did we have before all this? We had carbon. You pick something that everyone has. That's the point of it. Or in this case, carbon, you know, you emit it or you're made of it. We're carbon-based life forms. Man-made climate change. Your carbon footprint. It was bad. You were bad. It was taking too long. That's what we talked about with with the the cult members, the cult mentality, the criteria to be in a cult. It was taking too long. They needed a radical shift. So a global pandemic with all these these skewed results and and skewed testing, and they've got a complicit media and they've got ridiculous uh, government policies and and these these idiots that come out and, and implement this public health policy upon we the people based on false science that they cooked up. And what do you have? Again, you pick something that everyone has. This is what they're doing. 95% of people that go into hospitals, they get tested for COVID anyway. Even though they don't have any symptoms, all they just say they're asymptomatic. You pick something that everyone has. It's a way of teaching you that you're non-essential. Example, essential, non-essential workers, right? Which we talked about that. You and I have been deemed non-essential. I've said it before. This is their revolution. It's their revolution against a free people, a free thought, a free expression. And do you care? Do you even see it? And if you do see it, which side are you on? Now, I've talked about decision making in the past, how people don't like to make decisions. Well, guess what? You got to make a decision now. You have to make a decision now. I know that's a terrible thing for some of you, but you've got to make a decision now. What side are you going to be on in all this? Do you become a slave to the system? Do you stay a free person and fight back against a system that seeks to dominate and control our lives as free people? Do we become a non-essential person in this new system? Well, if we're non-essential, then why do they need to keep us around? They talk to us all day, every day about public health. Well, what of the public health? Look what they're doing to the average person. Look what they're doing to you. We talked about depression and anxiety, right? This is precisely what these people are creating. Are you going to be one of these depressed and anxious people? Or are you going to become what they fear the most? You're going to become a fulfilled person. You're going to be an informed person. You're going to be an educator. You're going to be educated. You're going to be a righteous individual to hold these criminals accountable. Are you going to stand up for your convictions? I mean, I am. Bruce is. GP is. You know, who are we? We're nobodies. You're going to push back on this system of conformity and control. 
Thomas Jefferson said the level of tyranny that you'll have is the level you'll put up with. I've said that a couple of times this week, I think. See, in human nature, you learn really quickly that individualism and thinking for yourself is what builds a free and prosperous society. We champion and innovate to create amazing things and endless opportunities for ourselves. The, the amount of prosperity and the amount of wealth that we've created in Western civilization, you can't put a price on that. And this is precisely what they want to destroy. But those people that conform, that submit to what they believe is, is virtuous, right? That doesn't do anything, right? That creates stagnation. It creates corruption. And ultimately, it leads to collapse every time in history. We're being tested right now. We're seeing what we will put up with because these people will take and take and take and they will push and push and push until we the people push back on them. We're seeing people who have conformed their whole lives and now they're continuing to conform in a bigger way, thinking that if they just do what they're told, it'll somehow right this sinking ship. Submission to this is not going to get you anywhere. So are you going to fight for a free and prosperous and a just and an equal and fair future? Or are you going to be one of these broken conformists? You're going to be mindless, lost, offended by words. You're going to be non-essential. Never be cowered into feeling timid or afraid. Never. Never be afraid of speaking your mind and putting forth free and independent thought. Don't be intimidated to put forth your individuality. So what do we do? What's the answer to all of this? Are you looking for one person to fix this? Well, I can tell you right now, that's not going to happen. We're the answer to this. We the people are the answer to this. It's not only our right, but it's our duty to stand up to these illegitimate frauds. The people who have been lying to you, to your nations from the start. They've been incorrect about everything they've said. Yet we still, for some reason, entertain what we're being told, which calls into question the respective national governments that keep them in the positions that they're in, doesn't it? We have to call them out for who they are and what they're doing. You think they're stronger than you? I assure you, they are most certainly not. They fear you. They're weak. They're scared. They're terrified, actually, which also makes them very dangerous. Look what they're doing. We have got to snap out of this dream world that we're living in and accept that, yes, it is happening here. See, you thought authoritarianism was going to come in the form of some kind of military action, right? Well, it isn't. It's here under the guise of keeping you safe from yourself. The time for sitting on the sidelines is over. We've got to get in the game. I'm in the game. Bruce is in the game. GP's in the game. Marty's in the game. Everybody else that we have on here, they're in the game. We're all in the game. We're on the field every day doing the only thing we know how to do at this point. We bring information to the forefront for you and anyone else who cares about our future to see. So it's time to wake up. It's time to stand up. It's time to get in the game. And it's time to put these weak people in their place peacefully, legally, lawfully, and justly. And that's all I had tonight. Bruce, GP, thank you for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening. Because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.